Well, today is the last Sunday of January 2022. And yes, it is this time of the season again. I know what you're thinking. I know what I'm thinking. Yes, that's right. It is the start of the Chinese New Year. <laughs> I'm sure I took some of you off guard because uh, we don't celebrate the Chinese New Year here. Uh, I'm from Japan. And, uh, you know, Japanese people, uh, for whatever reason, we don't celebrate the Chinese New Year either. But my wife is from Korea, South Korea. So uh, she celebrates it. And when we were living in South Korea, we used to celebrate it. So, uh, you know, for three days, uh, we, would do, we would do absolutely nothing, you know, during the Chinese New Year. And I think that's the whole point of it, that you go home and, you know, take it easy, take a, take a good rest. I remember going to uh, Beijing uh, in 2000. 10 or 11, uh, during the Chinese New Year. And I remember the streets being empty. You could hardly see anybody. And uh, that's what the Chinese New Year is. Now, speaking about China, China is a fascinating country, isn't it? Uh, It has over 3,000 years of recorded history, and it's just an amazing cultural uh, nation. Now, I had an opportunity to uh, ask uh, my colleague that I used to work with, uh, who was Chinese, you know, she was in the same office. And, and you know, Chinese and Japanese uh, is completely different culture. But when it comes to language, there's a lot of similarities. So Chinese people can sometimes understand the meaning of Japanese in writing. So I had an opportunity to ask her how to pronounce my name in Chinese. So this is my name in Japanese. And uh, as you can see, it's very simple, you know, just like the alphabet. <laughs> and uh, in Japanese, you say umakoshi. Now, umakoshi, uma means horse, as in the animal horse. And koshi means uh, like going over something, like going over a fence. So you could just imagine the horse, you know, hopping around in the field, going over something. That's the meaning of my name. I asked my colleague how to pronounce this in Chinese, and she told me this. You say, ma wei, ma wei. Now, I could be butchering the actual pronunciation, but you wouldn't know anyway, so. (laughs) Ma wei, ma wei. And as my colleague was sharing ma wei, ma wei, my wife (laughs) was standing, standing next to me, and she was giving that look on her face when... You know, the look that people give when people solve the greatest puzzle, like when you're like solving Sudoku puzzle, for instance, and finally you know how to solve the puzzle, and that aha, like that aha look that people put on the face, she gave that look, and she was like, aha, now I know, she said. Now I know why you are so selfish, because you are, your name is my way. My way, you're always going my way, and that's why you're always selfish. And so there you go. (laughs) 3,000 years of Chinese history. Solve the greatest mystery. Why this guy that that you're seeing in the the screen today is so selfish. There you go. So happy uh, Chinese New Year, everyone. Now, why am I talking about this? Uh, I'm talking about this because the topic for today's uh, message is uh, humility. It's about uh, considering other people. And now, if you were tuning in last week, that was actually the topic that Barry preached about. 
Now, if you haven't listened to that, uh, I really encourage you to uh, go to the Mile City website and check the sermon out. But what Barry was basically talking about was this idea of humility. And he focused on this uh, passage uh, from uh, uh, Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Paul says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. And he goes on. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man. So Paul is saying here, That you need to be humbled. That you need to love one another and uh, consider other people more significant than yourselves. And Paul, uh, as a a reasoning for that, Paul is giving us the ultimate example of Jesus Christ. Look at Jesus. He, He had all the glory in heaven but he came down and humbled himself uh, to the point of death. He died for you. That's how, how much he was humbled. Jesus was humble and so should you. That was the message. That was a quick summary from last week. But that, that was not how Paul ends his argument. We're going to continue on with his argument at the last section of this chapter. Paul is giving us a living example of what it means to be humble like Jesus. And he's giving us two names. And the names that we'll be looking at, looking at today is Timothy and Epaphroditus. Timothy and Epaphroditus. And Paul is giving these two names because Paul knows and God knows that when it comes to learning humility, we're so weak, we don't know what to do. And Paul is giving us the baby steps for us to do that. You know, when you, when you want to try somebody to do something, like when I wanted to try uh, teaching my daughter how to ski, for instance, I cannot just, you know, tell her to watch the uh, Winter Olympics and learn how to, how to ski from that. I can't do that. I need to walk with her. I need to take her by the hand. Baby steps is so important. And in the same way, what Paul is doing is that he's giving us these two names, uh, the people that we can relate to, so that we can know how to, how to be humble, like Jesus was hu- humble. He's saying, here are people that you can relate to. Here are people that you can talk to, so that you can know better how to be humble like Jesus. So today, Timothy and Epaphroditus, uh, we'll be looking at the life of these two names and asking this very simple question, what can we learn about humility from Timothy and Epaphroditus. And so before we dive into the actual text, I want to pray for you. I'm going to pray for myself. Uh, If you could close your eyes. Father, thank you so much for your goodness and kindness. Thank you so much that you humbled yourself and came in the form of a servant, dying for us so that we can have a relationship with you, God. Teach us today how to be humble like you are humble uh, through the life of these two two men that we see in the scripture, God. Speak to us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So let's look at the life of Timothy first. Now, what kind of person was Timothy? Now, Timothy, uh, Paul meets Timothy in, uh, during his second missionary journey in a, in a small village uh, called Lystra. 
which is in the modern-day Turkey. And it says in the scripture that Timothy's father was, uh, was a Greek and his mother was a Jew, meaning that he grew up in this complicated, you know, mixed culture setting. And some scholars say that because the name of the father is nowhere to be mentioned in the scripture, it could be that the father passed away when Timothy was, was young, but we don't know for sure. And mom did a good job in teaching the, the scripture, and by scripture meaning the Old Testament scripture. Uh, this mother, her name is Eunice, and she was a devout Jew. But sometime along the way, she met Jesus. She believed in the, in the death and resurrection of Jesus. And since Timothy's young age, Timothy grew up learning about God's word. And he became, after he met him, uh, he became Paul's travel companion. And speaking about this Timothy, uh, Paul speaks and says uh, in verses 19 and onwards, it says this, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. And he goes on. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proving worse, how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. So Timothy was Paul's like, right-hand man. Whenever Paul could, uh, couldn't go to a certain place by himself, Paul would send Timothy on his behalf. And at the time of writing this letter, Paul was in Rome, but Paul had no freedom. He was house arrested. So he's saying that I, I, I plan on sending Timothy to you, addressing the people in Philippi. So right off the bat, you could, you could just tell, right, how much Paul trusted uh, on his disciple Timothy. Uh, verse 20, it says, For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. So Timothy was selfless. Timothy was humble. He wasn't just thinking about his, himself, but he was thinking about other people. You know, in Rome, where uh, Paul's church was at, at this time, uh, if you read the previous chapter, chapter 1, he talks about how he was just surrounded by people uh, who were just selfish. Uh, they had a wrong motive. They were proclaiming the gospel uh, with this heart of envy, uh, with heart of self, selfish ambition. And they were like Christians, but they were immature Christians who were just selfish uh, to the bones. But Paul was saying that Timothy is not like that. Timothy is humble. He's selfless. You can trust in him. And I'm going to be sending him to you. Now, this word genuinely uh, in the original language, uh, it's a word that describes this, this genuine, real blood relationship between families. So when Paul said that Timothy has a genuine concern for you guys. He was saying, Timothy thinks that you are family. Even though there's no blood relationship, he considers you as his brother, his sister. That's how much he loves you. That's how much he cares for you. That's Timothy. So up to this point, as, as we are reading about Timothy, we're like impressed. Wow, right? Timothy is like, he's pretty legit. He seemed to know like what, what he's up to. And for all the Timothys out there, you know, watching this, 
You're, you're like, I could just picture you grinning. You're like, preach it, Paul. Preach it. Continue on, Paul. But the most important word in this paragraph in understanding Timothy's humility appears in the next sentence. Uh, in verse 22, it says, But you know Timothy's proven worse, how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. Now, this word, proven worse, comes from this Greek uh, word, uh, dokimen, uh, dokimen. And it, it describes some results that come through testing. It has this idea of testing. And by testing, it automatically implies um, a long period of time. And this word was pretty uh, a common word that Paul liked to use uh, in a lot of his uh, letters that he wrote. Uh, for instance, uh, Paul said once that when you hear, hear somebody saying some spiritual things, don't just believe it right away, but test his spirit. You know, observe him, how he, how he acts when nobody's looking. Ask him questions. You know, test him over time so that you can truly know who, what he really means. And we, we, we're very familiar with this idea of testing. Right? When you want to buy a new car, you know, and you want to test out if the quality of the car is good, you can't just drive for like 10 minutes and, and call it good. You have to test it for a long period of time. And after you've driven it for like three years and transmission fails, and it's, it's not a good car. So you have to do research. You have to test it. You, you have to do, read a lot of reviews. So Paul is saying here that, yes, Timothy is the best guy that I have. He's the most mature. He's humble. He's selfless. But he didn't get to this point overnight. I had to disciple him for a long, long period of time. Timothy's humility has been proven over a long period of time as I was discipling him. And that's what Paul is saying here. And people in Philippi, the city of Philippi, probably knew exactly what Paul was saying. Because when Paul visited this great city, uh, Timothy was with him. And they saw Timothy. And this was like 10 years ago. And they know that Timothy has been traveling with Paul for, that, for over a decade now, learning from him, being discipled by Paul. And so Paul was like the father figure for Timothy, learning about humility, learning how to be more like Jesus. So the first point I, I really wanted to make today, uh, what can we learn from the humility of Timothy? Uh, we can learn that, you know, we need to be discipled. We need to be discipled to learn how to be humble, how to be humble like Jesus. Each of us need to find a leader like Paul so that over time we can learn what it means to be humble like Jesus was humble. So Paul was saying, just like I needed to be discipled by Jesus and Barnabas and Peter and all the other godly men around me, Timothy had to be discipled by me, and now I'm going to be sending Timothy to you, and it is now your turn to obey him, listen to him, so that you too can learn what it means to be humble like Jesus was humble. Are you being discipled today? Is there anybody that speaks truth into your life? Is there anybody that teaches you the importance of 
obedience to Jesus? Is there anybody who teaches you the importance of purity? Listening to God's word. Do you have that person who gives you that uncomfortable nudge or poke when you're just like veering off course? Do you have that person, a disciple, who, who teaches you what it means to be humble? Or are you just trying to teach yourself that? You think you can just, oh, I can just teach myself how to be humble. Now, you know, Barry mentioned it last week that it's, you know, once the moment you say that, oh, I've uh, taken these courses, I've, I've done these uh, training, and now I think I'm humble. The moment you say that, you're not humble. There's no way. It's impossible to learn how to be humble. You need to be discipled if you want to learn uh, to be humble. Now, in Miles City, uh, we are going to be starting uh, coaching groups soon. And uh, it's just, you know, a bunch of guys, maybe two or three people coming together. And literally, the name says it. It's, it's a coaching group. We, we coach one another. We try to strive to be better. Uh, we try to keep each other accountable. And that's what the coaching group is. And if you don't have that kind of a group, I strongly encourage you to, to be part of it. Uh, one pastor once said that the online church, online church is a beautiful thing. Uh, but it's like a vitamin, you know, and it's not, and it cannot uh, have the purpose of a real food. It's not meat. It's not rice. It's not bread. And just as you can't live off by having a lot of, you know, vitamin pills, uh, you need that real community wherever you are at. You may be uncomfortable, you know, coming to, you know, a real in-person uh, church setting, but wherever you are at, you can always reach out to us and have that group who will speak truth into your life so that you can also learn what it means to be humble. <clears throat> or maybe some of you, you feel like, oh, maybe I'm, I feel like I'm old enough, you know, and uh, I don't feel like at this stage of my life, I need a coach, you know, over me. You know, I feel like I'm pretty old. Now, if you are like that, maybe you, God is calling you to disciple somebody. Just like Paul was, you know, discipling Timothy. Um, our calling to disciple or discipleship is a never-ending calling. Remember that. And we can know this by just looking at Jesus. I mean, Jesus, the Son of God, he had 12 disciples. And he has three disciples that he truly poured his souls into, Peter, James, and John. And the last words that Jesus said before he was taken to heaven was, go and make disciples of all nations. So who are we to just assume, oh, maybe I'm old enough to uh, not do anything, right? This call, our calling to disciple other people is a never-ending calling. Now, do you know what Paul did after he wrote this letter? After he wrote this letter to the Philippians? Well, Paul, in fact, wrote two more letters, at least two more letters. And he, guess who he wrote it to? Well, Paul wrote letters to Timothy. Timothy, even as Paul was about to be taken to his execution stand in Rome, he was still writing to his beloved disciple Timothy. And in 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 4, he says this, Let no one despise you for your use, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. You know, uh, at this time, 
Timothy was about to be the leader of this church in Ephesus, but he had no clue how to do it. You know, he, hadn't, he didn't have a confidence. So, so Paul is discipling him. Let no one despise you just because you are young. You know, set a good example. And so Paul is discipling and discipling Timothy. Now, 2 Timothy chapter uh, 1, verse 6, he says this, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is, you in, uh, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. So you see here that Paul is just keep discipling Timothy, even though he is facing an imminent death. He did not stop. He did not stop. Because for Paul, you know, Timothy was like his child. You know, he was like his, his own son. If you think about it, Paul was never married. You know, he never had a biological son. But over and over again in the New Testament, in his letters, Paul mentions Timothy as his child. Timothy, my child. Timothy, my son. That's what he used to call him. And he, and he regarded Timothy as his very child. And that's why he just kept on pouring, kept on discipling his, his son, Timothy. Now, if you think about it, discipling itself is a way in which we can be, we can be humble. Discipling itself is a way in which we can be selfless because we're investing our hearts, we're investing our time to other people. It is a wonderful way for us to learn how to be humble. So I'm gonna, I want to ask you this question today. Who is your child today that you can disciple? Who is it? Who is that child? And I put the, the word child in parentheses because you know, it, it can literally be your biological child. It can be your sons and daughters if you're a mother or father. But you know, if you don't have any kids, you can still disciple. You can um, choose a person pray about it, uh, pray that God will give you somebody to disciple, and just, just treat that person as your child and disciple that person. And it's a wonderful way for all of us to learn how to be humble. Now, with the remainder of time, I know that the time is um, short. Uh, I want to talk about Epaphroditus now. Epaphroditus. Now, who was this guy? It's not, he's not very well known. So far, I don't have any friends whose name uh, is Epaphroditus, maybe because, you know, nobody can pronounce his name. <laughs> but this guy, Epaphroditus, the, the name means favored by Aphrodite. Favored by Aphrodite. And Aphrodite was a, was a god of love in the Greek culture. Uh, so you could just tell that Epaphroditus grew up in this pagan culture, nothing related to the Old Testament, surrounded by many idols, but Somewhere down the road, Epaphroditus heard about Jesus in the, in the city of Philippi, and he too became a Christian. And he was the one who brought the, the love offerings to Paul all the way to Rome. He was the one. So even though we don't really know much about Epaphroditus, he's actually the reason why we get to read the letter that Paul wrote to the Philippians today. You know, when Paul received this gift from Philippi by the hand of Epaphroditus, he was so touched. Paul was so moved. He was so thankful. So he decided to take his pen and, and write to the, the people of Philippi. 
And he hands a letter to Epaphroditus and sends him, him back to the city. Now, speaking about Epaphroditus, Paul writes this. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. He had a lot of title. <laughs> for he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. And then he continues, Indeed, he was ill, near to death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also. Lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow, I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. And then it continues. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such man, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. So Paul is uh, writing about Epaphroditus also here as an example of humility. Just as he did for Timothy, Epaphroditus is also a perfect, perfect example of humility. He's saying, did you hear what happened to Epaphroditus? He, he was ill. And he almost died. He risked his life for Christ. Did you hear that? But here we see that Epaphroditus, this guy, had a different kind of humility compared to the humility of Timothy. Now, Timothy's humility uh, came over a long period of time. It was a tested humility. It came through discipleship by Paul. But Epaphroditus' humility came all of a sudden like that. It became, he, because he became ill. He almost died. So what can we learn from the humility of Epaphroditus? Well, in a most simple sense, we can learn that sometimes God humbles us. God is the one who disciples us and humbles us. And this could come in the form of a loss, a great loss. This could come in the form of uh, a mistakes that you make a sense of sin even, an illness just like Epaphroditus, whatever it may be, sometimes God humbles us. And when God humbles us through this way, we feel like we just got hit by a big a baseball bat in, in the back of our head. It hurts, and we don't understand. And in that moment, we can react in two, two, one of two ways. We can either react in a very selfish way or we can react in a selfless way. In a selfish way, we can say, how dare you, God? What do you think you're, you're doing, God? I, did I do something to deserve this? Now you can react to God in that way. Or you can be selfless and say, what Paul said in this verse, uh, in verse 27, he says this, Indeed, he was ill, Epaphroditus was ill, near to death, but God had mercy on him. God had mercy on him. When Epaphroditus was humbled through this sudden illness, Paul and Epaphroditus, both of them, they saw the mercy of God. They saw the compassion of God. They were able to experience the grace and love of God. They took it as an opportunity to know the character of God. Now today, if you're experiencing this type of humility, humility that comes suddenly, 
I just want to encourage you and say that God has not abandoned you. God has not abandoned you. In fact, it's actually the exact opposite. He loves you. He cares for you. He wants to know more about you. He wants you to know about his compassion, his power, his saving power, his grace, and his mercy. When we are humbled, we can know more about God's love and his grace. Humility is a way to know Jesus is really the point that all of us need to take home today. Humility, unless we are humbled, we, can, we cannot know who Jesus is because Jesus is the very embodiment of humility. Now imagine this. What if Epaphroditus, just imagine, what if Epaphroditus never fallen ill? If he didn't fall in ill, he would be on his ship back to Philippi, you know, with his chest raised high, feeling confident, and he's thinking, ooh, I can't wait to go back to my city. I will tell my people how I serve the people in Rome, how I helped build that church, how I brought the offering to Rome, all the way to Rome. I'm going to be doing that. And he could have ended his life in pride. He could have ended his life just thinking about himself. And on his gravestone, it could be that he could have asked people to put Epaphroditus, the great accomplisher or great achiever. Who knows? But because Epaphroditus has, has fallen ill and he experienced the mercy of God through that way, he must have gone onto that ship carrying the letter that Paul wrote just cherishing in his, in, his, in his pocket here and is thinking, thank you, God. God, thank you. Thank you, God, for saving me. I could have died, but thank you, God, for your mercy. I want to go back to my city and tell other people about how merciful, how loving God is. And that's how Epaphroditus must have gone home. When we humble ourselves and acknowledge his mercy and grace, the mercy of Jesus, the grace of God, then we can live, we can end our life giving glory to God. Today, Jesus is inviting all of us to follow him, follow his footsteps. And when we follow Jesus, Jesus is not going to take you to the, the king's palace. He's not going to lead you to a place of success, wealth, and prosperity. When you follow Jesus, he will lead you to the foot of the cross where you can truly experience the depths, the height, the width, and the length of the beautiful love of Christ who died for you, who came to save you and restore that broken relationship that we had between holy God and us. Let us be humble today so that we can know more about Jesus. And as I close, I want to speak to those people who, who haven't got Jesus in your heart yet, who don't know who Jesus is yet. And you may be listening to this, you know, message today thinking, humility, maybe next week, maybe not for me today. But you know, and I know that there will come a time when we have to experience the ultimate humility. When God humbles us for the last time in our life 
And that humility is called the humility of death. Death is the greatest equalizer, as somebody once said. And no matter what, what you have, no matter what kind of car you drive or where you live or what kind of suit you wear, this humility, this ultimate humility visits your door one day. And when you stand before the holy God, you will not be able to withstand His holiness because your holiness or your religiosity or your all the good deeds on this earth is nothing compared to the holiness of God. You will just perish. You will just burn. But the good news for you today is that God loved you so much that He sent somebody to stand between the holy God and us. He sent Jesus to be the mediator so that Jesus took your sins. He took all the dirtiness that you have on his back and died on the cross with it. And instead, he, he, he put his righteousness and his holiness on you so that when God sees you, even though we are full of mistakes, God sees you as righteous. God sees you as holy. And that's the gospel. And if you want that today, there's only one thing that you need to do, and that is to humble yourself and surrender your life to Jesus. And I, I just want to offer that opportunity to you today. Wherever you're at, I want to encourage you to just close your eyes and, and, and pray, pray with me right now. Let's pray. Father, say Father. You can call him Father. Sometimes when I look at my life, there is an emptiness. Sometimes it's hard to breathe. And I don't understand why. I have stuff in my car, in my garage. I have people around me, but there is still this emptiness. And today I learned the reason why. I learned this emptiness is coming from, from you because I didn't have you in my heart. And so today I want to humble myself and live a life of joy, a live a life of purpose. Jesus, would you come into my life and teach me your ways, teach me your love. Today I want to believe that you died for me on the, on the cross because of my sin. Say that to him right now. I believe Jesus died on the cross. And today I want to believe that Jesus, you conquered that death through your resurrection. Say that to him right now. And I want to follow you, follow you for the rest of my life. I want to trust you for the rest of my life. Be my Savior, be my Lord. And as we continue to pray, thank you, Father, for your message today. Um, teach us, God, how to be humble because we want to know you more. And we know that unless we humble ourselves, we cannot understand who you are. So give us a, a people around us that can speak truth into our life. I want to be discipled. I want to humble myself and so that I can be discipled by somebody, God. Would you grow in me? Would you teach me your ways, O oh Lord? Thank you, Father, once again for your goodness and all the plans that you have. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
Well, if you uh, made that decision today, uh, we, we don't want you to walk alone and uh, we, wanna, we want you to reach out to us uh, so that we can uh, help you in that process of knowing God more, knowing Jesus more. So uh, what you can do is you can text the word Mile City uh, to the number 94,000 and uh, somebody from our church will reach out to you, get to know you, and will come alongside you and so that you can keep growing uh, in, in your love for God. Uh, you can truly grow uh, within this body of Christ.